be productive. I went through 10 months of chemotherapy, and after 10 months, they said the chemo couldn't do anymore. But the church began to pray. I said the church began to pray. This church began to pray. And the church began to build a monument before the Lord. And this past May, I had my colonoscopy before surgery, and they couldn't find a tumor. I said they couldn't find a tumor. God's not done through the mountains. God's not done through the mountains. God is not done moving mountains. It was Anthony Trimble that reminded us of this at North American Youth Congress in 2017. Well, Anthony is still here. And God is still doing miracles and moving mountains. And I'm so pleased to announce that Anthony Trimble is my guest on the Noteworthy Podcast today. He has an incredible ministry. He serves as assistant pastor at Winds of Pentecost and is changing the world with his music ministry and his preaching ministry. And I feel so honored and privileged to get to have this conversation with my friend today. He's a sought-after worship leader as well. You've probably heard him lead worship at events like General Conference Youth Day or North American Youth Congress. He has multiple albums and singles that you can go download right now on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere that you like to listen to podcasts. Today's a noteworthy conversation that you don't want to miss. Guys, thanks so much for tuning into the podcast. I'm honored that you're here. Enjoy the ministry of my friend, Anthony Trimble, and be blessed. Let's go. Hey, Brother Trimble, how you doing, my friend? Doing great. Man, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast today, bro. I'm I'm so excited to get to speak with you. Yeah, I'm I'm honor is all mine. Well, bro, I, I know we, we spoke a little bit before we started, but I, I was so honored and excited to get to meet you last year at NAYC and we kinda got to connect briefly in the hallway, uh, and and we haven't got to spend a lot of time together in person, but I've been following your ministry and your testimony and your music, bro, so I'm so excited for the listeners to, to get to hear about your story, and uh, would you mind just telling us a little bit about who you are and where you serve? Sure. 
Um, I'm Anthony Trimble. Uh, been married to an amazing woman, Lissandra, for uh, 13 years now, which makes me sound old. Uh, <laughs> but I have three boys, seven, five, and two, Kingston, Davis, and Graham. Wow. I uh, it, Yes, it's a circus at my house. That's amazing. <laughs> we have two boys, so I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah. I asked, uh, I asked uh, one of my friends, I said, what happens when you have uh, – like is three kids, you know, harder than two or whatever. He's like, no, man, no, it's whatever you've heard. It's wrong. It's so much easier than two. And I was like, are you serious? He's like, no, man, it's the worst. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I can only imagine, bro. My two boys, Judah and Ezra, they keep us busy and we only have two. So you're, you're like a hero to me, bro. It is rambunctious, but uh, I love them to death. And uh, we're trying to keep this last one a baby as long as we can. Absolutely. Uh, but I also love coffee. I'm a, a coffee lover, and um, I love to read books, too. Uh, when I got diagnosed years ago, I kind of set a goal to uh, read so many books a year, and not only to read so many books, but also um, to finish every book that I start. So wow. uh, that makes me very particular on which books I read. Uh, but I love to read. And uh, so ministry-wise, I've been – uh, I'm now in St. Charles, Missouri, right outside of St. Louis at Windsor Pentecost. My dad pastors here. And uh, for nine years, I've been a student pastor. And then uh, for the last two, I've been the assistant pastor here. So love it. And uh, God's doing great things. That is so amazing, man. Now, uh, what was it like for you going from, from student pastor to assistant pastor like that? What was that transition like for you? You know... It's it really is different. I think uh, everybody that makes that transition uh, at first, you're like, oh, I'm I'm getting into you know more mature ministry, all that stuff. But what I found is when I when I moved to assistant pastor, I really missed the student pastor stuff. Right. Because uh, student ministry and uh, you know youth ministry has there's so many fun moments and so many teachable moments. I mean that. 10 times as many usually as when you're just in a general setting like a church service or a small group. Um, So I really didn't miss it. Um, But, uh, you know, I found uh, delegation uh, took a bigger part when I transferred to this uh, position and uh, doing better at that. I'm not great at delegation, so... uh, (laughs) But uh, empowering people, you know, is such a big part of what I do now uh, that I don't have to do it all myself. I'm 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 bad at that. I'm I'm a perfectionist, and I uh, right. if I know it's not going to get done right, I'm I'm going to do it all. But I read a great uh, I read a great uh, little principle that John Maxwell wrote in Today Matters. He said, if somebody can do eighty percent as good of a job as I can, I'm going to give it to them. And I thought wow. that was great. Because there's so many times where I like, I'm just going to do it. But if they can do it almost as good, more power, you know, to them. And it brings so much unity when you empower people. That is so awesome, man. You know, I I serve as a student pastor here in Jonesboro, Georgia, and it, you really are right though. There's there's it's a lot of work, and of course a uh, a lot goes into it. But uh, it's a lot of fun too, getting to connect with these students. Now. If I understand right, didn't you serve on the district board as well uh, beforehand? Yeah. I was youth secretary uh, here in Missouri for the uh, for three years, 
And uh, I actually stepped down, uh, didn't let my name run this last time just because it was right after my latest scan. And I just knew it was some time time I needed to uh, devote to my family. So, Absolutely. Absolutely, bro. Well, man, I'm just, you know, I'm thankful for your ministry. And I, I love uh, to see what you're doing for God and just the commitment uh, and, and what you do for the kingdom, man. You're making such an impact. And uh, now this podcast is is blessed to have a lot of young ministers that that listen and they're they're learning what it means to work for God, learning what it means to work in the ministry. Uh, would you mind sharing with us what did it feel like when you first felt that call to the ministry on your life, and was it a one time experience or was it a series of events that let you know, okay, God is calling me into the ministry? Sure. And that's a, I love that question uh, because I know it doesn't happen for everybody the same way. Yes, sir. Uh, and this is just the way it happened for me. But um, I remember being 12 and um, I remember the service. I remember where I was at in the altar and I was dead center in the middle of the altar and had my face planted in the carpet, was the last person leaving and wow. uh, feeling specifically that it was a call to preach. Um but I knew that in that moment, just what God needed for me was a resounding yes. It didn't matter what it was to. It didn't matter what, you know, there's so many times where <laughs> I felt like it was a call to be a missionary and it didn't end up being that, you know, but uh, just having that yes to whatever it is, you know, and I think right. that's so vital when, when you're young, uh, in your teenage years to saying, you know, God, whatever it is, I'm going to say yes to that. So that was that initial time, but it wasn't the only because, um, you know, when you're 12, 13, there's not that many speaking engagements that come available. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so yeah. there's a lot of waiting, right? You know, if, right. if you, you feel that calling early in ministry or in early in your life. So there was, there was really a second time. I remember being in California and uh, Brother Jack Cunningham was preaching the youth convention there. And uh, at the end of the service, he just said, now, everybody who has said yes to their call, he said, I want you to go home, and he make it, made it very practical. He said, I want you to go home, and I want you to uh, have a conference with your pastor, have a meeting with your pastor as soon as you get home, and let them know what you feel on your heart and what has happened in the service. So as soon as I got home, I scheduled a meeting with my pastor. Uh, I'm probably 14 at this point, and I just told him, you know, pastor, I feel like God's called me to preach. And as soon as I started talking, like, tears started flowing down my pastor's face and just confirmed a lot of things that God was talking to me about. Wow. So, uh, you know, it wasn't just a one-time experience, but a, a kind of a series of, of events. Uh, but then I didn't get my first speaking opportunity till I was 17, you know, so five years after I felt that. Wow. Uh, and the next time I spoke after that, I was 20. So a lot of waiting in that. And I think, you know, sometimes young ministers can get frustrated in, in, in that waiting game. Sure. Well, man, thank you for, for sharing that because it is true that that God will give you a call. He'll give you this moment where you know that he's calling you to something, and then, but then he begins to prepare you. So to see that at 17 and then, what was that like from 17 to 20? Because I know that must have been an interesting waiting period where God had given you this, this opportunity, and then three years later, what was that like for you, that, that three-year growth process there? Yeah, you know, when I got to it, what's funny is I remember the service it was. It was just a youth service, and my youth pastor calls me, and he's like, 
uh, hey, man, we're not going to make it into town in time for tonight's service. This is like two hours out from the service. I haven't spoken in, in years, you know, and it's like, can you preach tonight? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in a uh, tuxedo, tuxedo shop working my job, you know, two hours till service. I'm like, I guess, you know, and what happened? Stress. <laughs> I realized I was like, I have let these years just like why haven't I been preparing sermons? You know, why haven't I been, why am I not ready right now? And, and God wow. ended up moving that night because I prayed and, and the, the anointing was there, but my preparation and preparing, you know, study wise, studying to show myself approved, I had not done a lot of that. And so, uh, in fact, I had dove into music a lot in my teenage years because I, I knew that the preaching stuff wasn't coming right then. And, uh, you know, what's amazing is, and you have this type of ministry too, uh, brother French, it's, you know, having that music ministry and having that speaking ministry, you're always wondering, you know, which one is God going to use? And, uh, so I found out in those teenage years that God could use my passions as well as my calling, you know. So uh, I was passionate about music at that time, but my preaching didn't come until a little bit later, uh, which was my weaknesses. I, I was introverted. I was M- Moses, man. I was like stuttering <laughs> all over the place. So uh, right. I can talk later about my methods, but uh, because I wasn't a great speaker, I had to write everything out and uh, just – you know, realizing that God can use your passions and also your weaknesses to for his glory. I love that, bro. Now, when I first uh, began to realize who you were and, and started following your ministry, and, and I know you've probably heard this a lot. This is probably cliche for you at this point. But uh, I was, you know, a youth pastor with my youth group, AIM Youth, at North American Youth Congress in 2017. And, uh, and that was the first time I heard your story and, and I heard your testimony, uh, when you were leading, uh, do it again. And man, what a powerful life changing moment that was where you let God use you. And you told us a little bit about your story. It was just like a little sneak peek into your life, but it was so powerful. What was that week like for you, you know, leading worship at North American Youth Congress in 2017 and getting to share your testimony? And I think they even did one of your songs that year. What was that yeah. experience like for you? Um, you know, it really did start, well, you know how it is because you've, you've been a part of that event, um, starts months before. But really, uh, I, you know, I was in a in and out state with my with with the cancer at that point when they asked me to to be a part of that service a year before and um or that that meeting and uh i was uh scheduled to have major surgery in june which is eight weeks before nayc oh my goodness recovery time for that surgery is six to eight weeks uh you know it was just insane kind of what was happening but then we get on for a call or whatever, and Brother Aaron Curtis is talking with all of us, and I'm recovering from surgery on steroids, all this stuff, and all of a sudden God, you know, this miracle comes out, and we're we're eight weeks from NAYC, so Brother Aaron Curtis calls me about a week later, and he's like, you know, Anthony, I'd really like you to uh, to give your testimony at, at Youth Congress. It's not going to be long, you know, but uh, right before Brother Staten's message, we'd like you to take a moment there and, and uh, 
just give your testimony. And uh, such a small, you know, when you think about it in the scheme of things, such a small window there between God doing that miracle and the testimony happening uh, at Youth Congress. But, uh, man, that week leading up to it was incredible. The bond that's created with the people, you know. Uh, One thing I love about Brother Aaron Curtis is he makes it feel like family, you know. Yes. And uh, I, I remember, you know, you just have one week to practice together and rehearse, but you feel like you've known these people all your life by the time they're on the, on the stage at youth Congress. And I think one of the most incredible things to me was, uh, uh, the, when we got up on stage, by the time we got up there and I'm sure it was this way for you too. Like I thought I was going to be, you know, you're in a stadium that'll seat 30,000, you know, sure, it's going to be nerve wracking, but we got up there for rehearsals and it was just, it felt so peaceful. And because what God had already done behind the scenes, you know, in our rehearsals and the bonds that are created that week, uh, just, you know, I felt so much peace going up on that, on that stage. It's uh, amazing. That and, and, you know, these are, what's crazy is these are songs that people are going to be singing the next two years, right? You know, in yeah. the next Congress. And so, but Brother Aaron Curtis, he really makes it, uh, he, he, he makes sure you know that we aren't just trendsetters, you know, that we're servants. And I remember we had a foot washing, you know, the night before uh, Youth Congress started, like a literal foot washing. He's wow. got the basins out. We got 14 basins and water and, and everybody's washing everybody's feet. And it just brought such a, a real humility to what we were doing. And uh, I love that about Brother Aaron Curtis. He's in- incredible. But yes, fun he is. about the testimony, um, I uh, like I said before, I'm not always great with my words, so I have to write them down. So <laughs> Like 10 minutes before before service is starting, I take an ink pen out and I write my bullet points of my testimony on my hand. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Wow. And by the time we get to my song, I'm looking at it and it's like all smeared and everything. <laughs> how much I <laughs> no. So, you know, but God still moved in a mighty way. Incredible. Um, I mean, just the response I got afterwards. I mean... Uh, the video went kind of viral like right after and like hit uh several you know hundreds of thousands of views uh but then i was getting texts i got a text from somebody uh that next day who said they were in the audience uh one of their youth group prayed for them they came and their shoulder was broken oh my goodness prayed for them and they're healed like instantaneously before they leave the you know, the auditorium. So just incredible moments like that. I had texts from people who um, uh, were in a hospital bed watching it and uh, just said how, you know, the Holy Ghost moved in that room and they began to speak in tongues. And uh, just it was amazing to see what God did. Bro, that's, uh, I love that. I love hearing the behind the scenes of what was happening. And man, that, uh, ink pen story just made my day because I can, you know, I, I can, I can relate to just the, the, the stress of like, you know, all those people and your mind's going crazy, you know, uh, you got one for, shot. it's like, yeah, it's like you got this one, one moment and you know, this, at this last one in 2019, uh, I remember feeling the pressure on, on Thursday night when we did, uh, our song great and mighty. And I'm like, you know what, I'm going to be the guy. Incredible. Up, 
Oh, thank you, friend. Thank you. Well, I remember being like, I'm going to be the one guy who forgets the lyrics to his own song. <laughs> and it was, you know, and I remember just all those, you know, mind games that can, can play with you. So thank you for letting the Lord use you, bro, because I, I'll never forget that moment. And I know that everybody that was there, it, it made uh, an imprint on their life. Now, uh, in relation to that testimony, your faith and your journey through battling cancer has been inspirational to so many. Your faith, uh, your mindset, uh, just, it, bro, it's it's an inspiration. And would you mind sharing uh, a part of that with our listeners today on where you're at in your journey? I know it's 2020 now. We're talking about your testimony in 2017. Where are you at right now? Because we're praying, believing for complete healing and uh, just share that with us where you're at. Thank you so much. Yeah, uh, just to give a brief, uh, you know, story of what's happened so far. I'm diagnosed in 2015, stage four colon cancer. The miracle happens in 2017. They can't find the tumor in my uh, where it originated. And then after that, three months later, um, they find cancer on my my uh, liver again. Three months after Youth Congress. And, uh, dude, it was so detrimental, so detrimental. I, I haven't talked with really anybody about this until right now, but I remember feeling the pressure of that testimony and, uh, you know, that God was using that. And I felt like by me having a scan that showed cancer was on my liver, that it kind of, you know, brought things down a little bit. And, uh, And uh, I didn't want to hurt people's faith in the process because there were there were so many people that were were inspired by that testimony. So I didn't even let anybody know that that uh, I'd had a bad scan until probably six months later um, to to even close to a year uh, just because I dealt with. And I, I'm sure there are people listening to this right now where you sure, you had sure. a miracle or you had, you know, a time where Jesus touched you and then something happened. And it's like, oh, my goodness, you know, right. maybe right. maybe this isn't going to be a miracle. Maybe this isn't going to work out. But, um, you know, since then, uh, I, I have to also let you know that, like, I, I had a hard time even dealing with the fact that cancer was a part of my ministry yeah. uh, because y- you know, you get that diagnosis and it's like, you feel like you have a sticker on your forehead everywhere you go that says wow. cancer. And you know, everybody comes up to you saying, I'm praying for you, you know? And so it's always a part of the conversation. It's always in the room. And uh, at some point it's probably around, honestly, probably in the last two years after youth Congress or, or probably because of youth Congress where I felt like, you know, this is a part of my ministry. This is a part of who I am, and I've got to accept that. It doesn't matter if somebody's asking me to come and preach because of my testimony, you know, and uh, just right. being transparent. But, uh, you know, I, being a preacher or being a music minister, you want them to invite you because you're good at what you do, you know, not yeah, because yes, sir. you have cancer in your body and, you, you know. Right. So I had to deal and struggle with a lot of that. But God really ministered to me. Uh, during that season, right around Youth Congress, and uh, so so since then, uh, like March, twenty twenty, we had I had several surgeries and treatments since then, but uh, only had two small spots on my liver in January, 
And then uh, because of COVID, they are not able to do a scan when they're supposed to in March, April. And uh, so I'm not able to have a scan until June of this year. And when I get that scan, my scan is like worse than it was when I started. <laughs> oh, so my goodness. Uh, June of 2020, just several months ago, it comes back and I've got over 15 lesions on my liver and I've got two spots on my lungs and I've got a, a tumor in my shoulder. Mm, and so just like I was a wreck, man, mm. uh, just being transparent, you know, COVID has done enough emotionally on us. And then, sure. you know, hit this, this one hit me a little bit harder than the initial diagnosis just because of the way our world is right now and, and the context we find ourselves in. But, uh, you know, a few, uh, it was probably two or three weeks after I got that scan. Uh, God just really began to deal with me. I had mentors in my life I was talking to, and and God was just really telling me to stand, you know, even if you can't, even if you can't do much, you know, just stand in the middle of it, having done right. all, you know, right. stand. And uh, so I was just doing that, just, you know, praying, just reading my Bible, just getting up in the morning, and uh and then the Lord reminded me of this story of this uh, Olympic runner. I was reading this book, rereading this book. Uh, it's a great book called Seven Men by Eric Taxis. Uh, and Eric Little is one of the stories in there. He, uh, a lot of people know the song uh, Chariots of Fire. It's a big song uh, from like early 90s, late 80s. But the, the song is inspired by this man who ran in the 1924 Paris Olympics. And, uh, he, I'll make it short, but he is take your time. Supposed, he's supposed to run on uh, on Monday, and uh, he's not. He doesn't run on Sunday because Sunday's the Sabbath, and he's not going to run on the Sabbath. He's a Christian man, wow. and he ends up running in a in the four hundred meter race, which is not his strength. And that morning before he runs his race, a guy sets the world record for the four hundred meter in the semifinals. So he comes in this race, and then he draws the outside lane, which is like the worst lane to be running in in a in a race. And so not only is he he racing against the fastest man as of that morning, he's racing against a world record, and he's racing in his worst event, and he's racing from the worst position possible in the outer lane. Wow! And he ends up crashing the world record. Everybody thinks like halfway through he's going to just slow down because he's a sprinter. He's not a, he's not a long runner. And halfway through his lead just begins to grow and just begins to grow. And he's coming around the last corner and this lead is just gaining between him and second place. And he ends up getting the gold medal, smashing the world record that was set that morning. But as I was reading that, I just felt like God told me, he's like, you know, just the position that you are in, I'm placing you in this position uh, not to give you your greatest downfall. I'm placing you in this position to show people how great a victory there can be. Wow. So God spoke to me, and this is what I kind of wrote down. The distance between me and victory is not to measure how great a victim I am, but how great a victor I will be. Wow. The distance between me and victory, it's not to show everything's so bad. And how many times have we been measuring that this year, you know, in the middle of COVID? And there's probably people listening that have gone through diagnosis, life-threatening diagnosis. But 
the truth is that God has just been, I truly believe this as a church, as a church body, that God has positioned us in the place we're in. And I feel the Holy Ghost right now that God has positioned us in the place we're in, not to measure how great a victim that we are, but to measure how great a victor that we're going to be in the end. You know, it's easy when people cross heaven's gates, if everybody had it all together and everybody had it easy to give a golf clap. But I'm telling you, man, there's going to be some kind of Holy Ghost party when the people that had the life-threatening diagnosis, the people that had the divorces, the people that had the bad relationships, the people that, that came from the back end up winning this race god is going to just there's going to be some kind of celebration for that and and uh so i'm living in that right now and i'm i'm challenging those that are listening right now i I challenge you to live in that that god has not created you a victim god is is just going to make you the greatest victor we've ever seen man that's so beautiful anthony man i just i feel the holy ghost here and uh bro i just want you to know that i'm i'm believing with you that god's going to get the glory for for all of this there's i i really believe in and praying for healing man so thank you for being an inspiration to so many and i know in the holy ghost that you're ministering to to somebody right now that's listening now i want to kind of backtrack just a little bit because we've We've talked about uh, your call to the ministry, and that can be, you know, multifaceted with your music ministry and with your call to preach. But uh, I just kind of want to hone in for just a moment about your call to preach. And uh, I've seen you preach online. You're a phenomenal preacher, and, and God's using you at the winds of Pentecost. And as an assistant pastor now, uh, would you be willing to share with some of the the younger listeners that are learning what it means to be called into the ministry, just from a practical sense, how do you prepare a message between praying about it and and going to the pulpit? You know, you said you were 17 and then 20, and, and you had to write things out. What does that look for you now when you prepare a message? Sure. I, I, I really think there's a lot of pressure to feel like you have to have it perfect every time you get up there, you know? And, uh, I remember early on in my twenties feeling, oh man, you know, you, you criticize afterwards, you know, I could have done this better. And, and there's some health to that. Uh, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with reflecting and evaluating, but, um, you feel like there's, there is so much pressure. I mean, you're delivering the word of God. Uh, but, uh, it took me years to find what this process is for me and what the process is for me is not the process it's going to be for the next person. But um, I remember what was liberating for me. I Going through Bible college and, and mentors in my life uh, were kind of telling me, you know, you need to go by the bullet point format or whatever. And that's what was taught in Bible college was, you know, Roman numeral number one. What's your first point? What's your second point? What's your third point? And, uh, for me being an introvert, uh, that it was not working for me because I always stumbled over my words. In fact, I keep, <laughs> I keep a message of one of my first messages here at Wednesday Pentecost to keep me humble <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because I remember, uh, what it was like my, my last statement I'm asked, I've asked everybody to stand and like, this is the moment, this is the point of the message. And I totally wrecked the words. And it sounds like pig Latin. If you listen to it <laughs> <laughs> or Yoda or something like that, like, uh, did not come out right. <laughs> fix, fix it. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. This memo of it to keep me humble and, right. you know, remind me of where I started. But, uh, 
it takes years to to get the experience uh, that it takes to put a, a great message together. But I will say, when you're a young minister, even though you don't have because you don't have a lot of experience, uh, reading will give you that uh, the filler that you need um, to to uh, replace some of that experience that that is in there for the long haul. Like like people like Brother Scott Graham and Brother Jack Cunningham who have decades of experience and stories that they can they can just pull out of their hat. Um, it, when you're in your young twenties, you don't have a lot of that, you know? So, uh, I just read always, I, and, and even more so in, in the last probably year I'm reading for Sunday. I'm always reading for Sunday or reading for that next service. So, and, and there's some people that say, you know, you need to make sure that your, your Bible reading is for you. And, uh, I totally agree that, that it needs to minister to you on a personal level. But honestly, right messages are ministering to me just as much as they're ministering to the next person. So right. when I'm preparing my messages, I'm getting something out of it. Absolutely. Not, I'm not just pouring into, you know, a performance. So uh, I, I always read for messages and I highlight accordingly. Uh, I talked to Brother Adam Shaw. He, he, If you know anything about Brother Adam Shaw, you know that he loves to write and he like has yes. his fountain pens and he has his <laughs> like old notebooks and and I love that. So I've, I've kind That's of awesome. taken some habits that he has. But I also like anytime I'm reading, if I find a good illustration, I will highlight to the left of it. And then I will write in that highlight like what topic this would be great at. Because I might not be preparing for that message yet, but I can pull out at some point. In fact, I was reading uh, Today Matters by John Maxwell. And uh, he said that now he's gotten to the point where he has thousands of illustrations uh, because he he knew when he he had that first uh, calling to uh, that he was going to end up doing that. So he, uh, he he over the years and decades he's just had lots of illustrations he's put into file folders and uh, uh, based upon topics. So, um, anyways, for, so for me I read a lot and then uh, I love a quote that Brother J T Pugh said. He said, "Study like there is no such thing as the anointing, and pray like there is nothing but the anointing." Wow. There is no good. such thing as the anointing and pray like there is nothing but the anointing. So yeah. I, I I don't, you know, condone people that just pray and then get up there and, you know, don't know what they're going to say and expect for the Holy Ghost to move. On the other hand, we can't just study ourselves to death and not have an anointing, you know. Absolutely. So, uh, I believe there's a balance in both. And, uh, yeah, my I usually by Tuesday, if I'm preaching on Sunday, whatever the service is, usually five days out, I have my initial thought. And then uh, that entire week, commute time is a really big deal for me because uh, – and obviously you can edit this as you need to, but uh, commute time is such a big deal. Uh, we – we always have music on. We always, you know, audio books, all that kind of stuff. People sure. try to get that time wisely. But I honestly, there's a lot of times where I just have nothing on and I have my phone on car mode so that nobody can disturb me because it's in those quiet moments, which you know because you have two young boys. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yes, sir. Not many of those quiet moments. <laughs> <laughs> right. So in my commute time, I use that, you know, right. God speaking to me and it's not always that i'm praying but i'm always listening you know god what are you wanting to say uh for sunday or for friday night or wednesday whenever that that day is so tuesday usually got my thought together uh friday i'm usually writing down my first draft i i do write manuscript style i felt like uh as an that's just what worked for me i, I remember uh, being released when i heard that anthony mangan uh does manuscript style yeah and, yes sir. Uh, 
when I started writing my entire message out, I know how many words now because I've done it so long, how many words I need to be around. Uh, but it's, uh, it's liberating when you realize what your style is, you know? And, uh, so for me, I, I still do manuscript. I, I usually have between 1200 and 1500 words, uh, in my messages and my, uh, I know this is getting a little lengthy, but no, take my, your time. Uh, this is good. My, uh, my, my really thought process about the entire message, uh, is that there has to be a tension point somewhere in there. So for when I, when I preach, I'm asking myself what I want to lift the word up. Right. So I think there's, it's so easy to just copy and paste like a passage of scripture and let that be, you know, five minutes of your message. Right. And then uh, we're going to preach on that, that passage. But I really want people to remember that passage or remember that scripture. Right. So I'm going to lift that up. And the way that, that I try to lift that scripture up is by creating some tension to where the word releases the tension or answers that question. And, uh, I'm, so I'm always in what I'm reading and what I'm reading in the Bible, uh, any books I'm reading, I'm looking, where's that tension at? What is that question that everybody's asking? Um, and honestly, the, 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 uh, the point, I think you always need to have a, Pointing the message where this is the bottom line. This is this is where you're standing on your pedestal and saying what this message is about. At Bible college, they used to say it's the ESS, the essence of the sermon and a sentence. Um, and nowadays, we would say what's that tweetable moment, you know. But I think you always need to be able to put that sermon into one little uh, clip so that you know that it's not you know 20 things that they're taking home but there's there's a there is a central thought to all this right, but, right. Um, i could go on but I, I love the process of of building sermons uh i've learned so much from other people like uh brother myron uh weidman is an incredible preacher oh he's amazing uh, Love, love the way he pre- and then I get I get uh, you know upset of seeing people that go up there at Youth Congress and have a sticky note you know when they get up there with three bullet points and <laughs> right. I'm like oh Lord, someday someday I'm gonna be able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, bro, and it's it's amazing you know when you get an opportunity to talk to different men of God like yourself. You know I've had uh, the privilege of having you know Brother Myron Weidman Jr. on the podcast. Uh, the Victor Jackson, Raymond Woodward, people like that. And it is true, it's different for everyone. And and that's one thing that this podcast has really taught me, is that you can't be someone that you're not. You have to operate in your calling uh, the way that God called you. So I, I love getting to ask this question to different men of God, and that is some incredible practical advice for us. Now, I want to shift gears for a moment to your music ministry because you do have a multifaceted ministry where you have preaching ministry. You're also a well-known, sought-after uh, worship leader and songwriter, and you've you've written some great songs, man. Like you've co-written "Give Me Jesus." Uh, uh, you know, you know how Spotify does those those yearly raps. You know what I'm talking about, yes. where yep. they tell you what your song is. My number one song was "For My Good" this year. Um, oh. of the songs. And I'm not just saying that because you're on the show, for real. I found this out yesterday. It said your number one song that you listened to this year uh, was For My Good. And so uh, you've got a, a new album out, Higher Than the Heavens, incredible. I believe it has nine songs. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Incredible album. You have an album before that and singles. 
What does the writing process look like for you to the young worship leader and songwriter? How does that work for you? Sure. Um, so, you know, the main question is always what comes first, the music or the lyrics? And um, everybody says something different, but for me, it's usually, I. it's not really music, it's the melody that comes first for me. Gotcha. Um, so uh, I, uh, I'll i be in the car or I'll be, you know, getting changed. Or it's usually a, a silent moment or a quiet moment when I'll get a melody and uh, I, I got to tell you, uh, one of the first things I do is get it on a voice memo. I have yeah. over 100 voice memos in my phone <laughs> of just song ideas that have not come to fruition yet. Bro, what um, would we do without the voice memo app? Where right? would we be? <laughs> I, I've, I've uh, you know, I was reading from an author uh, the other day that was talking about a book writing process. And she was like, you know, you can think you have the best memory in the world, <laughs> but if you don't write it down or record it somewhere, right. uh, you, you might forget that award-winning hit or, <laughs> you know, that that uh, that song or that, that book thought that's going to, you know, change the world. <laughs> right. So, um, and so I have hundreds of uh, voice memos that are not songs yet, um, but are always, in fact, uh, I think it was Brother Mark Conan who really challenged me in that area. I remember years back, uh, he he led worship at Youth Congress probably a decade ago. But he, um, I remember him telling me that he wrote one song every week. One song every week. Wow. And he said, the reason why I do that is because I know nine times out of ten it's not going to be a good song. <laughs> so every ten weeks, I know I got one good song. Come on now. So I, I appreciate that, you know, so uh, so that's why we do the voice memos or whatever. Uh, but then also my commute time, I was talking about that earlier with with my messages. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm intentional about my commute time uh, because I am uh, 35. I am not always listening to, you know, I'm at a point in life to where I like what I like, you know, mm-hmm. so. Uh, I'm listening to uh, music that I've probably listened to several times, but so I have to be intentional about listening to new music so that uh, I'm not being inspired by songs that were written, you know, four decades ago. Um, And now there's obviously I want to keep songs like Amazing Grace and there's such a power to older songs. But when absolutely. I don't want it to sound like Amazing Grace originally sounded. You know? Sure, yeah, I got so you. So I'm always listening for what's coming out, and uh, that that enhances my songwriting process. Um, but then also, I uh, I want to say that don't hold your songs too tight. Uh, this is what James Wilson and I found out about "Give Me Jesus." When we when we went into the songwriting, we were actually on Skype. And uh, it was actually a two-session songwriting session. And um, I came to the table with the initial idea. And honestly, the chorus I had was just not working. Gotcha. (laughs) And as an artist um, and someone who creates, sometimes you hold it like a baby, you know. Oh, my word. Uh, I don't know if I can change this. You know, we hold on it a little too tight. But I like to say that with songwriting and especially with 
co-writing. You cannot hold on to your song too tight because you might be keeping yourself from that, you know, that breakthrough moment in the song. And we had a couple of times where it was like my ideas were just not working. So we went back to the drawing board and we started writing the verse and uh, the verse that James and I were writing, we got to the chorus and it was like, this chorus isn't working. So we just trashed the chorus and we started from scratch again. And that's where, you know, the chant kind of comes from now. Give me Jesus. That was not the original chorus. Wow. Uh, but because so I wasn't good. onto that song too tight, uh, it allowed God to, uh, you know, to inspire us with a, a different chorus that that is what everybody knows and, and sings today. Um, but then also, you know, song... There's some songs that come in in ready packages made, and I love those moments. I know you love those moments too, where it's like yeah. you know you got 40 minutes and you get a song done from start to scratch. Um, the song that we did uh, at Youth Congress in 2017, that song was like that, um, where I, I had like a one session and God just gave me everything in one time. But there are some songs that are finished in seasons, you know. Uh, I'm in a different place in my season with cancer than I was, you know, five years ago. So I'm writing different songs now, uh, and I'm finishing songs now different than I would have finished them five years ago. So, um, I just, uh, just know that there are, there are seasons and, and there's a journey to songwriting. It doesn't always have to be done in the spot. That's good advice, bro. You know, and and I've been blessed, you know, I, when I was learning songwriting, you know, and everybody has a different process of how it works. Yeah. Uh, but I've been writing since I was a teenager. It's just always been a passion of mine. Wrote a lot of terrible songs. <laughs> a lot of terrible songs. But, you but and then, me both, bro. <laughs> bro, if the world could hear the bad ones, <laughs> man. <laughs> There, there's some bad ones. We 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 try not to put the bad ones out there. Praise God, yep. you know we try to just release try to the put good them ones. In the trash, right? You exactly. Find my teenage stuff on iTunes right now. I tell you that. <laughs> well, you know I I get that, and so but it it's been really life changing over this last two years, and um, I I get to co write uh, with with different artists and. Uh, I've been doing some co-writing with Andy Ferguson and and a lot with my friend Frankie Taylor. We've got yeah. to write a lot together. And man, you're so right. You you can't hold on to things too tight um, because you know somebody God may want to use somebody else to make it what it's going to be. So I love that advice. That's great advice for the young worship leader. Now uh, speaking of leading worship, and I'm not going to keep you much longer. I just have a couple more things I wanted to hit on. Uh, it, you did a phenomenal job leading worship at general conference online this year it was a great event loved loved watching the youth day and you were the man for the hour uh but i've i also know that i've i've had to do some online only events and i know that it 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 could be interesting so what was that like for you you know with it being online only Probably the only people in the building were those that were involved in the service or on staff there. What was that like leading, you know, UPCI Youth Ministries Youth Day online only this year? Yeah, so I um, had had a bad scan uh, like two months, four, three months before. And um, <clears throat> so Brother Josh Carson let me know after I had gotten that scan, I was had, had been asked, you know, months before that to, to lead that service. He's like, man, you have until the day before. And I, I love brother Josh Carson. He's like, you can cancel the day before. And, you know, if you're not feeling good or whatever. And so that weekend I came into it 
and I hadn't felt great coming off of chemo, but I was praying, our church was praying, like, give, give me the strength, you know, to, to be, you know, at my best for, for general conference. And, uh, honestly, I woke up that Tuesday morning, which, which is when we were doing the recording and I felt so much strength, like, oh man, it's amazing what prayer does, isn't it? Wow. And, uh, Amen. I did some vocal warmups and just felt like I was hitting notes seriously that day that I hadn't hit in like six months. And so, uh, just thankful that God allowed me to be strong for that day. And, man, praise um, God. and, uh, as, as you were kind of, uh, hinting at, uh, online only, I think all of us are realizing over the last year that, uh, man, when you do not have a congregation in front of you, it is just so much more difficult to yeah. yes, low in a service. Yeah. I mean, our services are like half the time they used to be, you know, absolutely just don't have that call and response happening. And, uh, but I think where it does help us is like we were we were all singing up there there's nobody in the audience except for like the youth team and and the media team and you just got to close your eyes and it just be a you and god moment you know i got up there on the on the platform and we started to sing and uh you know there's all these lights because they're trying to make it look nice and um i just had to close my eyes and it's just like god you know we're singing to you i can't see anybody in the audience there's nobody singing with us but I know you're listening to this. And so I think, uh, you know, whether it's general conference you're leading or your youth service that you're leading, uh, and you have to be at a place where you're online only, um, just making sure, I think that's okay about this point in our, in our season is that God's allowing us to get back to what it's all about. You know, wow. it's so easy as, um, as artists and, uh, worship leaders, you know, uh, to, to respond to the response that's coming to you from the audience, you know. It's so easy to get that that right. uh, emotional high from people clapping to that song or people, you know, shouting at that song. But God has put us in a place where it's just us and Him, you know. So what's your worship really look like when it's just you and Him? And I think that's okay, you know. And that's, that's kind of what happened at General Conference. And I, I was just so honored by the opportunity and uh, thankful for what God did through that service. Well, man, you did a phenomenal job. It, it felt like we were there, and uh, we could definitely feel the presence of God that was in the room. Well, bro, I'm, I'm so thankful for your time. I do have one closing question, because I, I could sit here and, and talk to you all day. This has been amazing getting to hear your story. But, uh, you know, it's funny. I noticed you mentioned Jack Cunningham quite a few times, and it sounds like he's had an his ministry's had an impact on your life, and uh, I've asked this question to to every guest minister that I've had on the podcast since Youth Congress last year. And Jack Cunningham preached on Thursday night at NAYC nineteen about being apostolic to the core, and mm-hmm. uh, it man it it just challenged me. It convicted me. I'll never forget that night. I think they said a thousand people got the Holy Ghost that night. Oh, it, my word. it was so amazing uh, to see it yeah. happen. Uh, and there were healings that were taking place. But from your perspective, what does Gen Z and millennials need to do to make sure that we remain apostolic to the core during these last days as the church? So this season that we're in currently is really transforming uh, the future. I heard one leader say that we're never going to be going back to the way things were before. 
And I think one thing that is uh, really becoming uh, an issue and that we, we have to be on the right side of is keeping moral issues moral issues. And um, I, I think what our young Gen Z and millennials are going to face in the future and what we're facing right now is taking on cultural issues and making them moral issues uh, to where we don't know where the line is, you know, to where uh, to say that and and some of them are I'm not saying there's not scripture for some social issues that we face. But when you start prioritizing, uh, you know, what pop culture is saying is an issue over uh, what God says is an issue in the Bible then we're going to start having problems and it, it starts to muddy the waters. Right. Right. So I think in, in, in the next few years and in the next decade, we have to make sure that we know what our anchor is, that we know yes. what the Bible says yeah. um, and, and that we are living that and, and that we are not adding to God's word, you know, that the initial foundation of the apostolic faith, it's already been written. So we don't have to rewrite it. It's right. already been written. So let's just make sure that we are we know what is a God issue and that we know what is just, you know, an opinion issue or or something that is is is, you know, uh, uh, I'm just talking about some of these controversial issues that we've dealt with sometimes this year. I mean, sure. Even our health, you know, sometimes it's becoming almost a moral issue, but I believe seriously we are at the time where we got to know like you got to be baptized in Jesus' name. Right. You got to be filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of tongues. Yes. Got, there's there's so many of these things that are biblical principles, and we got to know that's where we're coming from, and that that's what we're going to stand on. And if 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 the culture and pop culture says this is an important issue right now, that doesn't always mean yes, the church needs to have conversations, but that doesn't always mean that it's a biblical issue. You know, and uh, I think making sure we know where uh, the line is there uh, and, and knowing that um, that uh, I know where I stand. You know, I, I, I there were there was a, I remember coming home from a camp and I was a teenager of 15 and being in it, these are church people, you know, I'm with my youth group. And I right. remember uh, some conversations going on after like God moments at youth convention that just, I wasn't okay with. And, uh, I remember that being a moment in my life where I was like, okay, uh, well, I'm on a different path than they are. And I think that's, that's good. We're seeing some of that right now. I think, I feel like God's sifting right now a little bit and we're seeing who's really about whatever God wants and whatever God desires. It's not about what God is, uh, what will God, uh, you know, be okay with, or what? What will God maybe be okay with? What is God requiring of us? What does God require? And and that be the baseline for every decision that we're making. So, I I, I don't want to offend anybody in what I'm saying here, but no, I really good. believe that that we have to make sure the Bible is the Bible and that culture is culture, and we don't blend the two. Yes, we have to make a bridge between the Bible and culture, but Culture should never become a biblical issue. Biblical issues should become our culture. Wow. So, uh, and not the other way around. So, anyways, I, 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 you know, anyways, I hope I'm not offending somebody by saying that. But I, I truly believe that um, that we're in a time where we gotta we gotta set some boundaries. And we gotta set some fences. 
Man, that's so good, Brother Anthony. Well, man, this this time together, uh, just getting to hear your story and to, to kind of dive into what ministry looks like for you there at Winds of Pentecost and people that have seen your ministry from the outside looking in, uh, what a privilege that it's been to just kind of get a look into that today. And uh, I've really felt uh, the Holy Ghost throughout this call. I've felt the presence of God and and uh, would you mind praying over our listeners right now that just the presence of God would be with them as they listen where they're at? Yes, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for everyone that's listening right now. Thank you, Jesus, for their story. Thank you, Lord, that uh, you have not just called us to uh, to things that are of, of you know just to bring us pain and just to to you know bring on questions god but you've called us to a victory that is unlike any other you've called us to things that we may not see the value in them yet we may not know what the end story is yet but you do and i'm so thankful that i can trust you and that we can trust you and that you do know the end of the story i'm praying that you administer to every young minister listening right now someone that's maybe questioning whether they do have a call on their life or not i'm praying that you would let them know, God, that their story is important, that you are going to use their story. And it may not look like everybody else's, and it may require a label on their forehead, but you are going to use that. You are going to use that story, just like you've used mine, God, to minister to this world, to minister to our culture, and to change uh, our our, our culture and, and our church around us. God, I'm praying that you would use every person under the sound of my voice right now for your glory and not for our own, and that you would help us and i pray that you would anoint them in jesus name in jesus name amen well anthony man it's just been such a privilege and uh man i'm i'm just thankful to call you friend and and to get to know you and i'm I, i'm so thankful and i admire your ministry so much and uh man i hope that uh god will cross our paths to where we can spend some time in person and and get to do this thing together man yes yes <laughs> like i said ship selling in the night and uh, I, I've admired you from a distance as well. So I'm just so so thankful to call you friend and thankful for what God's doing in apostolic music right now. Amen. In Jesus' name, I'm thankful. And hey, I, I may have to hit you up on, for a co-write session now that I know, you know. Oh, and, and <laughs> I believe what Andy and I were talking the other day and uh, he was like, man, we, we need to co-write or whatever. I was like, yes, please. Let's let's get some stuff down. His his latest single is incredible. So so good. Well, man, I'm thankful for you. Please continue uh, the great work that you're doing. We're we're praying for you. Believe in God for you know. I'm just going to be waiting for the great report and the victory that God's going to get out of all of this. Man, me too, bro. You and me both. I love you, friend. Thanks for being on the show today, and we look forward to talking to you again soon. Yes, sir. God bless. Amen.